case you're here. I'm appreciative of you being here. And today I'm here to talk about the Batman. Uh, but I'm not going to be doing it alone. I think the best episodes I do tend to be with uh, people. And I got another person here. It's Bruce. I'm gonna just, you don't go by Junior or anything. But no. you can just like, you know. You just call me Bruce. That's fine. Yeah, just yeah. Bruce. Yep. Speaking of Bruce, what do you think about Bruce Willis and his aphasia? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's unfortunate. That. Like, especially because it's been a while since he's done anything I really care for. And I wish he had kind of ended his career on a high note. Like, if he had done Unbreakable last, and that was the thing we remembered him for. Yeah. Just to throw a movie out there, I can't... What, what's something he's done after the Unbreakable? Uh, oh gosh. Well, he did that one in, like, 2000, so... Oh, I have something. Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah. The Wes Anderson yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah. That's his last high note for me, I think. I would say, like, around that time, too, like, Looper, maybe. Looper was very like, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he was, and then, like, afterward, it started to become the straight-to-DVD bin. Yeah, Looper is a good shout. And I wonder if we, now that we know what was going on or is going on, if that was kind of played a factor into the... I think everybody's wondered it. Because I know myself, I'm not going to say that I was ever uh, above the... You know, shitting on Bruce Willis, making bad movies thing. I mean, it was fair game. Yeah. He made some trash. And, uh, I mean, you know, paying the bills or whatever. But I think a lot of people sort of questioned or just were like, ah, he gave up. He's just on cruise control. He doesn't care anymore. But, yeah, it makes you wonder. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Anyways, that was like a total random. Like That was like <laughs> the most ridiculous plug for, hey, let's talk about Bruce Willis and his mental decline. Yeah. Um, but, no, we're here to talk about the Batman. And I know you said that you saw this last week. Yep. Want to say HBO Max? I, I was going to ask theater streaming. Like, what did you uh, see? It on? I waited for it for streaming just because. I'll be honest. I don't. We've just gotten too many of these in short succession, and I'm like I'm burnt out on DC Marvel universes. Did you ever? I guess like watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess how into the comic book movies have you been? Like, just, like, you know, the MCU, you all that. So, just to give away my age a little bit, I'm 38. So, like, I grew up in the 90s where we didn't get very many of these. So, every time something came out, it was, like, an event. And then the 2000s started rolling around when we got the Iron Man. And then it was just, like, nonstop since then. And we were excited for a while because this was, like, what we've been waiting on, like, what we grew up to aspire to in the film universe. And then now it's just, like, we're never going to get away from this. So now it's, like, I kind of waited out and see what the census is. Like, is this one worth checking out or not? I skipped the Ben Affleck ones altogether because I don't like Zack Snyder. Okay. So this is my first pick back up since Nolan. Really? Yep. Now you you haven't watched like any other superhero thing. Not DC. Not DC specific. Yeah. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, if you count the Joaquin Phoenix Joker as DC, I mean, I saw that of course, but uh, that's that's like its own thing. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, well, this kind of is too, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, it's not following, like, anything with, like, Aquaman or uh, Wonder Woman, all that stuff. It's definitely, I think, in its own universe, I guess, but... I feel like this is, uh, you know, if Joker is the taxi driver, this is Zodiac and Seven. 
I saw a lot of comparisons to that. Yeah. And, and definitely fair enough, especially because Paul Dano's Riddler, he's wearing the duct tape getup. Very, mm-hmm. very similar to those drawings that the people, the surviving people of the Zodiac Killer drew. So, yeah, that uh, that makes sense. But um, real quick, I guess I should definitely throw this in, too. Uh, how do I know you? I always like to give a little bit of back backing, just like, oh, I just got this guy pulled off the street. But yeah, Through friends of friends? That's what I said to some because I was telling someone that I was having a guy that I haven't had on the podcast before. They're like, "How do you know?" I'm like, "Well, he's all knows Brazilians, through a Brazilian. There's another Brazilian. <laughs> he's, he's, he's seven degrees of Kevin Brazilian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you're a film student too. Yeah, at University right. of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how long have you been doing that? A uh, year and a half. I transferred in from another school, University of Minnesota. Okay. Uh, when I figured out what I wanted to be when I grow up. And when did that happen? <laughs> well, I retired from the Air Force last year, and then I kind of had to, like, yeah, quickly figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I wanted to be a storyteller. I knew that. And then I took my first screenwriting class at University of Minnesota. Loved it. I found it. It's not easy. Um, but I found it to be, I don't know, more conducive to my talents as a writer versus writing novels. And I just, I, yeah, I picked it up right away. And then I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And it started there, just with the screenwriting thing. And then I picked up a camera at University of Iowa, and I was like, oh, I like this. And then I went to editing at University of Iowa, and I was like, oh, I like this even more. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it just kind of built over okay. time. So I... I probably will ask you more film-specific questions, I feel like, on this episode in particular, because it's not every day that I am talking to someone that at least has an actual serious interest in the world of film, so, Mm. uh, you know, don't be surprised if I start asking you some questions about that. Oh, yeah, 100%. One thing I do want to ask, because you talked about editing, and I don't know a ton of people that I would say exactly love editing. Oh, I love it. it It's my favorite part of it. Tell me why. Why? Uh, because that is the essence of film. Like without editing, there is you're just shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, editing is film. Editing is cinema. Like that is the birth of cinema is to take shots and create a montage out of them like the Soviets did in the turn of the century. And then that's where the birth of cinema came from. And it's how we tell stories. Like as much as you put into a film, as important is what you leave out. So the making cuts and deciding when to go from this shot to that shot, that is the essence of cinema. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's super well said to me, like maybe the process of doing it might not appeal to everybody, but like, that's where, as you said, you, you're shaping the story. Yep. Like it's, it's a, a delicate ballet almost if you will of all the different intricate shots that you have to weave together to tell a cohesive mm-hmm. story that actually makes sense and isn't jarring and like appeals on all these yeah. all these different levels uh so yeah i i very much actually admire people that understand the process of editing so it's nice to hear that you're not like intimidated by it and you don't obviously mind doing it no i love it uh do you do it all yourself yeah Okay. Yeah, preferably. I actually get very annoyed when people try to give me input. When I'm trying to fill my way through something, and then someone's over your shoulder telling you, like, uh, don't do that, or uh, do that. 
like I'm allowed to make mistakes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, it's not <clears throat> as soon as I walk from away from the computer, it doesn't put itself out into the ether. Like yeah. I'm allowed to make a mistake, not see the mistake and then come back the next day, watch the thing from beginning to end and then go, oh, shit. I should have did something different there and then go back into the editing room. Yep. So, no, yeah. that, that makes sense. Uh, so we should probably talk about the Batman. Got to get into that. Yeah. I, I know you said that you had some, some opinions on it where you're like, I don't really like it that much. Or you had some, you had some negative thought. I know about it. Which yeah. I, I will just get this out of the way right now. Did I like love, love, like love the movie? No. I thought it was better than, like, Batman v Superman and, like, Justice League. Like, it's, it's been, like, the better Batman since, uh, I don't, I don't want to say Dark Knight because there's all those Dark Knight comparisons. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not, to me, it's not that. But it's it's definitely a good movie, but it's not without its problems. So I would I would say that. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to spend a lot of our time pointing out a lot of things I don't like. But I will say, like, I, for a... Th- is it three hours or three and a half? Uh, I have it right here. Uh, does it actually say the runtime of it here somewhere? Uh, two hours and 56 minutes. Yeah, for two hours and 56 minutes, I will say while I was watching it, even though I was thinking of better films, it was aping. Mm-hmm. I still wasn't checking my watch. That's a so good that, Yeah, that's a good thing. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Uh, the problem is when I start... Getting away from the film and thinking about it more and more, I see more problems. I had that reaction, if we're sticking with just Batman movies, that was my reaction with Dark Knight Rises. Is that I, like, upon first viewing, I mean, there was so much hype leading into that movie with, like, you know, Heath Ledger had passed, they didn't know what they were going to do, it was, there was a lot kind of going around it, and I just know when I saw it, I was like, oh, I enjoyed some of the filmmaking, Mm -hmm. and then you started to, like, you know, as you said, you sit back, you remove yourself, and you're like, okay, wait a minute. I oh, don't like the bridge blowing up thing. Like, that's stupid. Like, oh, Bane, like, why is he doing that? Uh, like, it, you start to notice things, and that, yeah, that's that's a problem. Yeah, like, I, I think with any of these movies, especially DC Marvel movies, it's all about the spectacle. So, like, when you're going through the process of just being immersed into the spectacle, you're not necessarily parsing it out from one scene to the next. It's like, oh, that's an interesting set piece. I like the way they put the camera there. Um, I like the way that looks or that's lit. And, like, it's all interesting as pieces of a puzzle. But when you put the puzzle together as one thing, it starts to kind of fall apart. Yep. No, that that makes 100% sense. Uh, So we're going to get right into the movie right now. We're going to talk some specifics with it. I will read the synopsis just in case... Somebody doesn't know who Batman is or has not (laughs) heard of this movie because it's pretty much everywhere. But uh, Batman, I'm not going to, you know what, I'm not going to read this word for word on here. Uh, Batman, he's he's doing his Batman thing. He's been that for about two years. That's what they say anyway. I don't think they really make that super clear in the movie, but he's early into being Batman. Mm -hmm. And Gotham is a shithole. He's not happy about it. And he's like, I'm going to clean it up, do stuff. He's very dark brooding, wears eyeliner throughout the entire time. Uh, Catwoman shows up eventually. There's a whole convoluted plot about the relationship between her and Carmine Valcone, or Valcone, however you say that. Uh, make, make up uh, Colin Farrell is there as, as the Penguin. 
And Riddler, in the meanwhile, is just screwing with Batman and leaving riddles everywhere, and he's got to solve it. So that's a general shit synopsis that I just came up with. But anyway. Nailed it. So first thing I wanted to address just formally is your take just on Batman, previous Batman movies. Do you care about Batman? Are you like a deep comic book fan? Is this just kind of a definitely not a comic to you? Yeah, definitely not a comic fan. Um I could care less about, like, this is one of these, like, time-old, like, arguments, right? Like, okay, Stephen King wrote The Shining. The Shining, the book, exists. We already have that. So when my favorite filmmaker of all time, Kubrick, decides to make The Shining and he goes his own way with it, like, for me, those two things can exist, and they can both be good as separate things. I don't need a movie to give me what the book gave me. Some people don't feel that way. Right. Um, as a person that doesn't read the comic books, I obviously wouldn't care like what the movie has given me as long as it's a new take on the character. Otherwise, what are we doing here? So I will say that about this Batman. I felt yeah. like it was a fresh take on the character. And uh, it was interesting. It's an interesting one in paper. Yeah, I, I think what I was hoping for, at least going in, is that there was at least rumblings, or you could kind of figure it out from watching the trailer, that they were trying to go for the more neo-noir detective mm-hmm. Batman. At least I think that's what the pitch was, to make it different from, you know, because if you could argue that, oh, well, Christopher Nolan's was already dark and gritty. We've already, we've, we've seen dark and gritty, but we haven't really seen Batman do much detecting, even though that's they true. reference him being a great detective throughout several of the previous movies. Um, so I I enjoyed like seeing him have to figure out things a little bit more as opposed to him just beating the shit out of people because he's afraid of bats, like whatever. But um, I could see the Zodiac comparisons as well. That was definitely there. Like there's, I mean, every filmmaker borrows influences from somebody. Um, I liked it. Overall, I will say, and this is a lot coming from me because I I advocate constantly that a movie can be as long as it wants to be, as long as it's mm-hmm. justified and, and mm-hmm. it's good. It felt a little long. I, that that's one of my hangups on it is that there were parts where I was like, okay, like some of these shots are lingering for, in my opinion, just the sake of like that's cool looking. <laughs> brood. And, the brood. Yeah, yeah. And, and it didn't really like always enhance the story for me when those to me, kind of drag-out moments happen, uh, but I overall still appreciated them trying to take it in a different direction. I thought all the acting was still pretty solid across the board. Um, Colin Farrell, I, I, I'm always impressed mm-hmm. when people like, can you know just get plastered in makeup and, and disappear into something. I enjoyed seeing that. I thought he was funny. He did. He brought more humor to the role oh, than I thought he was 100. going to. He was the only humor part. Yeah, everybody else was very serious. Mm. Uh, they tried to like have there be like a couple moments, I think, here and there, where you know Batman's like, "Oh, you have cats," or they, <laughs> you know, they do something like that. But yeah. I don't really know if that was trying to be intentionally funny or not. No, I thought he brought humor to a movie movie that was uh, predominantly humorless. Yeah, no, it, and it's very serious. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that was one thing I I I don't think I'm skipping ahead on, but. I wanted to get your take on this because Batman, Bruce Wayne, you know, both the people, he he's definitely mostly Batman in the movie. There isn't much of the the typical flamboyant 
you know, billionaire that has all the women and is just like a mm-hmm. jackass, and mm-hmm. then he's mm-hmm. a crime fighter. He seems just like almost like Batman when he is being Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering if you had thoughts on that or like yeah. what your interpretation of when he was not wearing the cape was. Actually, I thought from a writing perspective that was smart because what we normally get is he's Hugh Hefner. When he's not Batman. Right. And the problem with that is that you're always in the limelight if you're that person and everyone recognizes you immediately. Not necessarily in the Batman suit, but they recognize this part of your face. Like, you know what I mean? Like, one of the things I liked about this one is that he was a recluse. No one sees him very often. It's brought up many times when he is not in the Batman suit and he comes out of hiding. People are like, oh, shit, what's up? Yeah. It's been a while. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, that part, I did like that. Like, I did like that he's a recluse that's been in hiding and no one really knows what he looks like or, like, how he behaves anymore. And it's like, oh, right, we haven't seen you in a while. And they, they mention him anytime Falcone sees him, he calls him kid, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's mm-hmm. been a while, like, that he's been out and about. And it makes sense that people wouldn't recognize him in the Batman suit. That's true. That's a very good point, and I also thought that because of them making a point, at least at one point, that he's in year two of being Batman, that yeah. he hasn't really quite developed that Bruce Wayne persona, the Hugh Hefner thing you're talking about, where he's yeah. like really like, I'm yeah. polar opposite of that guy in the cape. Like, I hope they me. stick to that, actually, honestly. No, I, I, I thought that was smart, and I think... Uh, there, there was one, like, critic that I was, like, listening to, and, and just for the record, I don't look at any critical reviews or anything before I see a movie because I want to form my own opinion. Right. Uh, but one critic, I think, really nailed it on the head that at least in this iteration, this time frame of him being Batman is that he was almost, like, addicted to being Batman. That, like, him even being somebody else outside of the cape and cowl was, like almost not even a reality for him. He's just, like, obsessed with darkness and beating the shit out of people. Yeah, and it's a problem with him being uh, who he is and the name, right? The family name. Like, Alfred brings it up many times. Like, hey, we have people coming to our house. Can you fucking clean this shit up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, So I like that part of it. And in addition to that, like, I felt it made more sense that him and Catwoman immediately like hit it off physically. Like there's some chemistry there because for someone that doesn't get out much, the one girl that gives him a little (laughs) bit of attention, he's like, Oh, I'm into her. Like, you know what? That kind of makes sense to me as well. Um, real quick. And I, and we'll talk about the cast and everything like that. But, uh, since you had, you had mentioned, uh, you mentioned Alfred, I think. Right. Yep. Uh, Andy circus is Alfred. That was one thing I enjoyed is, he doesn't have a lot of screen time necessarily, mm-hmm. but I did enjoy that we didn't get the old man like I've been your mm-hmm. family waiter for like <laughs> like fifty years and okay, Master Wayne. Like mm-hmm. you kind of felt he had some energy, like and he had some experience because I believe in the comics anyway that Alfred actually came from like British military or something. I I'm not an expert on that, but that's not, what yeah, I, I can't speak on that. Well, um, I like I like Andy Circus. I Jack love Cole. Andy Circus. I do wish he would have been used a little bit more. Yeah. But that goes to another problem I have with the film being overstuffed. Like, I really wish it had focused on, like, one, maybe two villains tops. And then we could have got more, like, let's build this relationship between him and Alfred more. Let's build this relationship between him and Catwoman more. Like, if you're going to have her there, 
have it be more than what it was, but there was just so much going on yeah. and so many threads he had to keep in the air. Like, I, I think that's where the movie suffers a little bit. Yeah. And it's excellent that you brought that up because it's coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, def- we're definitely going to talk about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, so I want to ask just, you know, we talked about how it's a different take on Batman. We've talked about some aspects of just the casting and everything, but Matt Reeves, as a filmmaker, like, what did you think of just his direction overall behind Oof. the Batman? Okay. So this is complicated. And this is where, okay, as much as I didn't love this film, what I am excited about, man, are we going to, I guess we're going to just go there, right? We're going okay. there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so, happening. So my issue with the, my primary issue with this movie is that it's aping better movies. And Say that again, aping? Aping what better that, movies. What does that mean? It, it's, it's, a, it's a collage of better films. Like, okay. Zo- I've already mentioned it, but Zodiac. Yep. Basically just David Fincher films. Right. David Fincher's right. aesthetic. David Fincher's, like, villainry. Like, when he has villains in his films. Mm-hmm. Like, Riddler is clearly the Zodiac. Yeah. Um I want to see Matt Reeves step out on his own and prove that he is an auteur and not just a, you know, like studio director, like hire for hire. Um, Because he, one of his first films was remaking Let the Right One In. Then he remade the the uh, Planet of the Apes films. Now he's picking up the Batman franchise, which we know has been done before. So now yeah. I'm, my question for him is, okay, you you've done the Fincher thing. Now let and now we have confirmation that there is going to be another Batman movie. No surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. none at all. <clears throat> Especially the prison scene in Arkham. Like we kind of oh, got yeah. set up for a second film there. But um, he is coming back, Matt Reeves, to do the second one. I want to see him. Do what he did with the Planet of the Apes because I thought the second and third of those films yeah. were the best ones. And they there's, agreed. yeah. So I want to see him like bring your mm-hmm. own vision. Don't do something that's been done before yeah. or ape a better director, which right now, David Fincher is a much better director than Matt Reeves. So, dude, step out, do your own thing, like be yourself, bring your own e- idiosyncrasies. Is that the word? Uh, it might be. Think so. Idiosyncrasies? <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, yeah, bring your own style and flair to it. Yeah. And I think he did a little bit, but, like, don't make me, don't force me in the position of thinking about other movies when I'm watching your movie, which removes me from the world. No, 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 you're good. I, I, I'm so glad that you brought this up, and you make a really good point, too, because you're talking about the filmography of Matt Reeves, and you do make a good point that he is... Either he's either remade something, he's mm-hmm. existing, he's or sorry, stepping into an existing IP. Mm-hmm. He's doing these sorts of things. So that is something I, I hadn't really quite thought about from that angle. Uh, but to that point, I do wonder if a director, any director, not just Matt Reeves, I, I wonder if because they're stepping into a property that is so well known, they either feel handcuffed or the studio is like, well, mm-hmm. like there's you know certain things. I'm not saying that as like an excuse for him, but I do just wonder, you know, how, how much a director feels comfortable with doing some drastic type of change. And a case in point thing, I guess I would say, 
not saying this might be the greatest example, but when Ryan Johnson did that Last Jedi thing, now you could argue he made a hell of a lot of changes. For better or worse, that's for better. Uh, that, that, that's that's for up up for debate. <laughs> but I, I do just wonder if you know whether uh, whether it's a novice director and experienced one when they step into a big property like the Batman, what does that do for them trying to be original? I don't know. And like I said, Matt Reeves he hasn't really like stepped out as you said and done it. So well, coming know. off the back end of pan- the pandemic. The Batman has proved, and not just the Batman, Spider-Man No Way Home did it as well, but we've proved we can get asses and seats again. So, okay, he did it. Like, now, if he was handcuffed, and I don't know to what extent he was, um, I don't think too much because, like, him pitching, I'm going to do emo Batman, that's a bold, <laughs> like, take. Like, you know what I mean? I'm surprised they let him go there. Yeah. But then again, maybe not. Maybe it was just always going to this point robin robert pattison isn't exactly like you know a no name like he's known commodity uh i think when he was announced everyone was like robert pattison and really the lighthouse guy well, yeah I, I i heard people when they said that the they, twilight guy the twi- the twilight guy. but but that, that just I, shows my uh no bias. but but that's the that's the mainstream audience yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which that's something we'll definitely get into um but go back to what you were saying yeah i, I don't know again we don't know to what extent he was handcuffed um I'm sure he was to some extent. I feel like you have to be. When you have so to much be. money on the table. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to. I like. It would be my dream that every director could just be uninhibited to do yeah. what they do. I but, will say this. Uh, I might be going off the rails here, but uh, one thing that I fucking love about this film is that they chose to film on site in Glasgow and Edinburgh, and I think it gives Gotham a new feel that we've needed. It wasn't Chicago. It wasn't Pittsburgh. Yeah, it wasn't (laughs) Pittsburgh. It wasn't Manhattan. It was, of course, if you're from Scotland, that's completely recognizable ground to you. But as an American film, film viewer, like... That was new for me. Like, it felt new. It felt lived in. Mm -hmm. It felt grimy. Like, I'm assuming the weather in Scotland is kind of very... I've only been to uh, Cambridge, England. I haven't been to Scotland. Yeah. But it is very, like, kind of misty, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, this... I don't know. Almost like Seattle weather. I'll have to ask my little brother. He's there right now. Oh, he, he, interesting. He's getting, I think he's getting back at like the thirtieth or something like that. So I will confirm with him yeah. like whatever the weather's like. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I didn't actually know where they filmed it at. Yeah, that's where they filmed it, and okay. Liverpool as well, which is near and dear to my heart. But um, we, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's almost another show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is another show. But uh, no, like it. I hope they keep doing that. Like that is such bold. Maybe not bold, but it's new. It's fresh. Yeah. Like, and it gave it a different feel. And, like, when we do the wide shots in this film, as dirty as it looks, is as almost, also as beautiful as it is. Like, I, I just, it was just very new. It wasn't the Burton thing, mm-hmm. which is huge sets. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. And it wasn't the, the Nolan thing. It was its own thing. As far as Gotham. Gotham looked very different than it has ever looked before, in my opinion. No, I, I, I would agree with you on that. And I think every filmmaker that steps into such a large property with such deep lore as Batman goes, 
there's always going to be the challenge of, well, how do I make it my own, but then still please the, you know, huge demographic of people that have been supporting the comic for, what, 70 plus years or however long the character's been around. Um, the shooting location thing's interesting, though, for sure. Um, I would, I, I, I'm someone when it comes to filmmaking that if you can do something practically, I'm, I'm always going to try to, to push for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of technology that comes around with like blue screens and I mean, it's much better than it used to be in Marvel and some of these bigger budget films tend to prove that point. But <clears throat> as you said, the world of, uh, of Gotham is as much a character in the movie as everything else. So if you can find a way to differentiate it from the different worlds that have been put there, I think that's only for the benefit of the people going to see the movie. And I'm going to talk out of my ass for one second, but I'm assuming Please, I'm fly. assuming the <laughs> I'm assuming the word Gotham, the city Gotham, that naming convention mm-hmm. created by the comics, I'm assuming. Probably. Is probably stemming from the word gothic, which we've always like come to know Gotham for and I felt like Edinburgh like they nailed it like you know what I mean like way more than Chicago and maybe it's because we live near Chicago that I'm like oh that's Chicago like I know what street (laughs) that's on I get my best burger from there like you know what I mean like uh, this this was it was otherworldly in some way I think that and and I think that's good Um, you want a comic book movie to have some distance from reality to an extent yeah I, I would say anyway Nolan, I think his approach was to go very simple in the world aesthetic, like not make it really be anything other than like this could be something that you could see. And it just so happens Batman's rolling across the road with his tumbler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think I think it helps serve the story that they that they took the time to to make the world feel lived in and dirty and grimy, like a mm-hmm. shithole. Hell is I'm not calling cover. Edinburgh and Glasgow a shithole. Yeah, no, I don't think that's there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, it is that. beautiful. Like, it's both beautiful and they make it look ugly at the same time. That's true. That so it's not that, that the city... <laughs> the city is gorgeous, I'm sure. But, like, it, they found a way to make it feel both at the same time. Yeah. Like, especially the ending shot. But we're not going to get there yet. No. Now, I want to go back to something mm. that you had touched on. For a minute, you talked about the difficulty in balancing several characters, mm-hmm. right? Now, one thing I admit, I was a little like apprehensive to say the least when I saw. Okay, you got Riddler, we got Catwoman, we got Batman, we got Alfred, we got the Penguin. There's a lot of characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even including the Carmine Balcony guy and and everything and the, you know, just everything else. I'm always curious, just how. Like, where's the line, I guess, between, like, including too many characters and making people give a shit all the mm-hmm. same? I figure you could speak to this probably better than I can, because I know for myself, I mean, I, I love ensemble movies, but ultimately, if I don't care, like, really care for the character, then I'll just see famous faces. And Well, that like, is kind of what we did. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like, but, I mean, granted, Penguin is in... Colin Farrell's in fat suit. So I, sure. he's not, he actually wasn't very recognizable in that suit. No, no. So I think the issue is that we don't get arcs from all our villains. And I think you can argue we don't get any arcs from them. Like, because they're just like, they, I mean, the penguin is literally a punchline in this movie. Yeah. Like, he's <clears throat> used for comic effect. Like, 
And I'm assuming they're building to something for the next film, maybe? And he has his own HBO series coming to it, Bird. Oh, I didn't know that. He does. Okay, so now it makes sense to me. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> that's what, what that was. Okay. Yeah. So, I just... We didn't need it. Like, honestly, I'm not even sure we needed the Riddler stuff. I felt like if you're going to do the... If this is the initiation of this Batman... Yeah. Thank God we didn't get the parents getting killed thing. It's been done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. But... If they had just stuck to Catwoman and him fighting Falcone, Mm -hmm. and then maybe at the end, they go their separate ways, and then she's a villain later, like, that would have worked for me. Maybe it would have worked better. Like, we would have had a more focused film. Did you feel, then, that with the amount of villains and just characters overall, that it was, like, overstuffed and characters were not having fully shaped arcs? Oh, 100%. Like, we get a... Pretty unimaginative and uninventive car chase. The the one with, like, with the penguin? Yeah. I, I did it. not like that. Uh, that's me personally. Especially yeah. if you compare it to a car chase like that we got in The Dark Knight. Like, yeah. Not even close. Hard to so, top that. Yeah, not even close. <laughs> so like that, like you could just take all that stuff out. Like honestly, you can like remove Riddler from this movie completely. Not Riddler, sorry. You can remove Penguin from this movie completely. Mm-hmm. And have the same film, really. Like, what are you losing? Because he's kind of like an associate of Falcone, right? Yeah, he's not really his fully penguin yeah, guy. Which... It's just kind of a thug. Works for him. Are we in spoilers? Uh, yeah, we can spoiler. All right. Yeah, it's been out for long enough. You've he, he, seen it. We kill Al Falcone, right? Yep. So, I guess that moves the pol- the chess piece out of the way for the penguin to take over the... Yeah, they had that like shot where he's like staring at the city going like, I can't believe I'm going to, you know, make this thing mine. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just... We could have saved that for another film, man. Yeah, I, I, I can certainly say there's a couple things that I would I would definitely agree with you there. Um, the, the penguin stuff... Eh, like you said, he he's more there to liven things up a little bit. He has like that part where uh, he's like, "You don't know, how, you don't know Spanish? Like I, I can translate for it. Like, wow. aren't you supposed to be a great detective? Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah, they have bits like that. It's, funny. it's like, yeah, it's, it's fun. funny. It's fun. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's good. But uh, but then you know you have the Riddler, Catwoman, the Falcone guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I do tend to lean towards like if you can put more development into a character as opposed to mm-hmm. having too many, you know, you know quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's just personally how I tend to look. But I would also then, you know, I, I could bring up like Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I finally got to see it. Finally, I, I own the 4K right back there. And I, I thought for like that movie, I'm like, hey, like they actually did a pretty solid job of balancing out this many villains and not having to be like a Spider-Man 3 shit show where it's just a big mess. Uh, it, it, uh, a great writer can do it. Yeah, uh, I yeah. don't I don't think they they nailed it here. No, no, I, I mean, I wouldn't say mm. so. I mean, part of it adds to the long run time too. Because yeah. it's just, like I, I, like I said, I go back to the quantity, or sorry, quality over quantity thing. It's like, like give me one or two, but like, I don't, I don't need three, four, five. I mean, give them like a spinoff series if you want to do that. Or at least like every time they step on screen, like, okay, if they're a villain or an eventual villain, like I need to be like, oh, every time this dude shows up, I am shitting my pants. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and with Penguin, like that was not the case whatsoever. And 
to be frank with you, like once Paul Dano as Riddler starts talking and yelling and crying, like it did not work for me. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I I will I will say this too, and I promise I'm not just saying things to agree with you. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, giving yeah. you my honest opinion. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Paul Paul Dano, I really like him as an actor. I do too. He's done some great movies. Uh, like probably my two favorite movies, well, three favorite movies with him. Uh, we got There Will Be Blood. Yep, it's fantastic. Yep. Love and Mercy. Yep. Uh, Brian Wilson biopic movie is great, and yep. I do love him for doing Swiss Army Man. That's uh, another one. Don't I love that movie, but no, I, I feel I you. appreciate. Yeah, 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 I feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I think for this, sorry about that. No, you're good. Um, I, I think for this, like I see him and. Uh, it's like I, I felt like he was like trying to either emulate other things or he mm-hmm. was trying to harken back to his kind of psychotic religious role and there will be blood. I, I just, I don't know. It, I like him a lot, but I, I didn't just fully get super creeped out as I should have been. Well, no, like, okay, when we open the film, we get that voyeuristic shot. Of him looking into the other apartment where... I was going to ask you about the opening shot. I wanted to get your opinion on that, just strictly as someone that has an interest in film. It, I I thought it was cool how they just linger on him. It's like... Yep, <sighs> like yep. Just like, it really built that the That all worked for me. Like, the fact that that guy running for mayor, or was the mayor... Yeah. Uh, another plot that we didn't need, but fine. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the whole mayoral race, like, that just can go. But um, that guy at the very beginning of the film playing with his son, and you're like, is this going to be him shooting someone from across the street and getting the kid? Like, there's yeah. so much tension in that moment, and we don't know where it's going. Not and, to mention you have the Ave Maria. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The opera music going in the background. Which is a motif too. I like throughout the film, by the way. Yes. Actually, yeah. the score throughout this film is brilliant. I, I loved it. Michael Giacchino is a yeah. really, really great composer. Yeah, yeah. Other than the Nirvana thing, which worked for me once, but they did it and one too many I, times. I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I'm not a big... I don't really know much. I know Smells Like Teen Spirit. I, <laughs> Jesus, you're wearing a Nirvana shirt. So yeah, like, yeah. Okay, you know more about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not... I had not heard that song before this movie. Yeah, yeah, Full disclosure. Yeah. Did not. I liked it. That song. song is interesting because of the way it was recorded. It was just Kurt Cobain grabbing an acoustic guitar and said, I have a thought in my head and I want to get it out. And yeah. him and the sound design guy like just sat in a booth and he let him go to town. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, the whole tension at the beginning and the way he murks the mayor or mayor and running, whatever the case be. Like, I loved all of that. Like, yeah. the first 10 minutes of this film, I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Like, I was in. Yeah. And then it it just, it did too much. It tried to do too much. Yeah. I So so let me ask you this. Um, you know, Bruce, I come to you. Hi. You're, you know, Matt Reeves is fired. Like, it's you. Uh-huh. Like, you're, you're going to make this movie. Uh-huh. I'm just curious, like, what... What would your approach be? I'm not going to say for, like, the Batman. It's, like, a big loaded question. You can't possibly answer that in, like, a, a minute. But if you're going to, like, do something that's focused on, you know, a few characters as opposed to, like, a ton, I mean, like, what do you think you would do, I guess, to to make things be really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
Um, well, I guess just more meaningful, I guess, and not just bloated for bloated's sake. I don't know how else to say it. I think because... Okay, I have two lines of thought here. Yeah. One is... What I would like DC ultimately to do is to make a Batman series. Stop making films. Do a Batman series that has the same budget that Game of Thrones had. And like every episode, and we don't need a bunch of episodes. We're talking like eight episodes a season. Every episode is like the White Walkers coming. Like that level of tension and that level of uh, gravitas. Yeah. Like... Do that. We haven't done that yet. Like, just do that. Stop making films. Like, everyone's going to buy HBO Max just to see that. Like, so that's one line of it. Now, if we're going to keep cranking out movies, what I would like to see, and because we already know where this is going because the way they ended the film with that Joker tag, which I didn't love. But anyway. Did Did you watch the deleted scene? I did not. Okay. Well... Continue. <laughs> I think if we're going to get a Joker film, what I would love to do is to make an Alfred Hitchcock level horror movie that is not necessarily rated R, mm-hmm. but that ratchets up the tension from scene to scene so much that it's borderline not okay for five-year-olds to watch. <laughs> Like, and I want Batman as a true crime detective because that's another problem I had in this movie. I didn't think that the the puzzles that Riddler set up were that fucking difficult to solve. <laughs> oh, this is an interesting question. So when you're watching a movie like, like the Batman and you know there's riddles in it that he's trying to solve, it's, it's going throughout the movie. As an audience member, when you're watching that, are you actively trying to solve it with him or are you more focused on just the story no i'm just focused i'm letting it wash over me especially the first time i watch it now what the problem i have with this movie in one of the puzzles was a rat with wings and i did not understand why he couldn't figure that one out like dude get it together but like (laughs) but he thought it was the penguin uh anyway uh I don't know. I've only seen the movie once, so I'm like, I, I, I don't. Dude, look in a mirror. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, like I, I think that would be my approach. Like, I think some of the animated films do this really well, where they ratchet up tension to like the tenth degree. Mm-hmm. Of course, they don't go there. Where, like I said, like you said, the Batman animated movies. There's a couple of Batman animated movies that are really dark. I've never seen them. Yeah, some. I, are... I used to watch like the the what is it, Batman Beyond. Like, yeah, I think yeah, I saw yeah. that like with like the younger. Uh, mm. right, not, there are movie. some rated R animated films. I've heard. Yeah, never like seen them. that's where I want this to go. Like, yeah. Especially with the guy they cast as the Joker. You know who it is, right? The, the Barry... Uh, I yeah. can't pronounce his last name. Like Keegan he was... Or Keegan. The, yeah, okay. He was in uh, The Green Knight. Yep, and I he, saw that. His five minutes of screen time in The with Green Knight is so shot. fucking terrifying. Like, that <clears throat> dude... Dude, they nailed the casting. I'm not saying he's going to kill it. Yeah. But that is an inspired casting. So, like, dude, just go there. He's yeah. already, like, that kind of actor. Like, just lean into the horror. If we're speaking of him, and I know you like A24, so I, I, I can't help myself. i got to bring it up. <laughs> Did you see The Killing of a Sacred Deer? Yes. 
he disturbed me in that movie. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. lean into it. I know that. he can do it. Lean so, into yeah. it. Like, let him eat a bowl of spaghetti creepy as fuck. Like, I, I'm cool with that. Like, him as Joker, I'm down. I'm ready for this shit. And I hope that Matt Reeves, please take off the handcuffs if you had them on him, DC. But, like, just yeah. let him do his shit. Like, we've already done everything else. Just go there. Like, yeah, be bold. Yeah, be bold. You're talking about a character who was an absolute sociopath. Just lean in. Like, yeah. lean in and go there and don't pull your punches. Like, this film where they're talking about Bruce Wayne's parents and they're like, oh, my dad is a piece of shit. He was in. And then they pulled yeah. their punch later saying, with Alfred going, and I guess they needed Alfred to be a stand-up guy. So they needed Alfred to have that moment where it was like, no, he had to do it because your mom, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, fucking lean in, dude. Like, you brought it up. <clears throat> Meaning the film, the film brought it up. Like, why bring it up if you're not going to go there? Go yeah. there. Like, it, it's okay if Bruce Wayne's parents were evil. Like, I'm cool with that. And that he and that's part of the tension with it within his own character arc. Like, now he has to combat that as well. That that hit family history that the Riddler brought up. Like, hey, your parents are in on this shit just like everyone else. And who are you? You're not better than anyone. So, like, lean in. Like, let the Joker just go there. I, I even think for a movie like this, because I, I saw it with my wife, and she had never seen Batman before. No joke. Never seen it. Wow. I mean, she knew who Batman was. <clears throat> she never saw it. And I definitely feel for a movie like this that it is acknowledging the lore. It sort of is assuming that you're probably decently versed in Rightfully Batman. so. Right, rightfully so, because we've had so many years of movies before with, like, what, starting in, like, the late 80s with Tim Burton's mm -hmm. first Batman movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the the point being with that is that if we already have done so many movies, and like you said, there's only so much territory that you can go, mm -hmm. I, I do think there's enough of a, of a population of Batman fans that they can stand the rated R. They can stand you doing something that's not going to necessarily maybe like be the PG-13 thing that's going to be the most marketing-friendly picture, but something that is going to please the people that have been following the, the franchise forever. Mm -hmm. um, one of the successes you could say with comic books on that is Deadpool. I don't really like Deadpool that much myself. Ryan Reynolds just plays himself to me. No, he is an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But but like <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with like with Batman, I'm like, you got enough of a fan base that like you can take the chance. Dude. You you can do it. The whole thing with the Joker and the laughing gas and just have people's faces literally melting off from laughter. Like yeah. I want to go there. I'm ready. We need it. Like it's been this many years. Let's do something different. Something that it reminds me of, and I don't know why I keep bringing up Star Wars a couple of times in this, but <laughs> for like myself, like I, I'm not like a diehard Star Wars fan, but the only reason I'm bringing it up is because they have like this like great lore around like the Sith and, and everything like that, and I know like the fan man like make like a messed up evil Sith movie. We're like, mm -hmm. I don't even focus on the Jedi. I just want to see these evil bastards. Like, yeah, show me why the Jedi's hate them so much. Yeah, like, like but but they won't do it. Well, they kind of, okay, it's another thing where they have to pull their punches because they need that PG, PG-13-ish yeah. rating. About the money. Yeah, like, yeah. the fact that Skywalker, like, Anakin, yeah. walks in we off screen and kills a bunch of kids. Yeah. Like, that is fucked up. Like, 
If you just lean in, don't pull your punches. Don't have him walk in and walk back out and we're supposed to make assumptions. Like, yeah. and then get some dialogue about it later. Like, clunky as fuck. Like, just <laughs> lean in, dude. Like, we're ready. We're ready. I think I, I, I would agree. The the other thing that I, w- that I would ask uh, is, you know, you had earlier talked about, you saw the movie Batman on HBO, uh-huh. the theater experience and whatnot. Uh-huh. Do you think that maybe because of the day and age that we're at, just with entertainment as a whole, that if, let's say, theatrical audiences weren't going to buy into the R-rated hardcore Batman, I mean, is it fine if they put out the, the hardcore version you're talking yeah. about on a streaming service? Why not? Like, we already have... You know, in the same week that you release a rated R one, release one for the kids that's animated. Like, balance that shit out. Like, I'm cool with that. But, like, we deserve it. We, we're, we've we already, like... Everyone who grew up with Batman... And I'm, like, the appropriate age for this. Because, like, I was alive when the Burton films came out. Like, I remember them vividly. So, like, at this point, like, come on, man. Do one for me. Just do one for me. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> I agree, and I would absolutely hope that someone has the balls to actually do it. That's what I would say. And the studio lets them. Exactly. Yeah. That, which that's is probably the bigger problem. I was like, well, yeah, that's too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, say. yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, I want to talk about Rob Pattinson and just the overall cast in this movie. Mm-hmm. Specifically him, though, because we had talked about earlier when his casting was announced, you have people like, oh, like, what? Like, what the fuck? Like, the guy yeah. from Twilight? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you have any thoughts on just, like, typecasting for a movie like this or, like... No, actually... Typecasting this, in general. This goes back to Matt... And I'm assu- I'm going to give Matt Reeves credit for this, but I don't know if that's the actual case. But this goes back to the Edinburgh and Glasgow, like, using that as a setting for Gotham thing. Like, Robert Pattinson is inspired casting because when you hear that two years ago, you're going, well, that's a weird choice. Like, he doesn't have... He's not... He's certainly charismatic, but, like, he's not, like, imposing. Like, he doesn't... He's kind of frail. But then you see the film and you go, oh, okay. Like, he nailed it. Like, that's what we're going... And I'm not saying I love the film. I'm just talking about just that casting alone Mm -hmm. and his performance. No, I, I thought he nailed it. I loved it. Like, him in the bat suit and him outside of the bat suit and, like, that sort of dichotomy of like frailty and imposing his will and he's also vulnerable in the bat suit like we get that one scene where the bat suit kind of like expands so he can fly down that thing i like i like i did like that line. and he just like, eats shit kind of tell, he, he doesn't say it but yeah he's like i i don't think i've done this move before and yeah. yeah like you said totally eat shit yeah yeah, yeah. i love that yeah. i love that part like there's so many like little moments in this film that i love i just it doesn't work as a whole yeah. but Again, like the Pattinson thing, Zoe Kravitz, another inspired choice. Colin Farrell, another inspired choice. Paul Dano, I can see the choice. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Paul Dano didn't quite nail it. I, I, I think the less talking he did, the better he was in this film. Mm. Um, especially when they bust him at the restaurant. Like the fact that he says nothing kind of uh, worked for me. Yeah, and, and even like when that happened, that was one of those like biggest like seven moments where I'm like, wow, shit, yeah, it's yeah, Kevin yeah, Spacey yeah, all yeah, over yeah. again. Like, yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, yes, yeah, so, no. what's in the box? <laughs> what's in the fucking box? <laughs> so, I mean, it's a good movie. It's, yeah, yeah, it, it is a good movie. No, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the comparisons can't help but be made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I, I, I just, I, I kind of have, like, opinions when it comes to this, like, typecasting, because I, I talk to a lot of different people about this movie, and I won't say that I know a ton of people that can get into a movie as much as you can, which mm. I do appreciate, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, but, like, some people, when I mentioned, like, the movie, they're like, yeah, the guy from Twilight, 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 I kept hearing that, and it just makes me think, it's like, well, I, like, how does someone get, like, stuck in typecasting, and, like, is that really a thing? I mean, clearly it is to a certain degree of the audience, mm-hmm. but, I don't know, for me, and I'm somebody that likes film, so I might be biased, the guy's more than done his yeah. merits in his career since Twilight. Well, he, since Twilight, I think why people still associate him with Twilight until now, yeah. uh, which is probably smart on his choice to return to a bigger IP so he can like change perceptions a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like he's made so many smart choices since the Twilight and he is a phenomenal actor. I, I'm sorry, he is. I don't what are, what are some of the movies that you like with Oh uh, The Lighthouse. Like that performance <laughs> is insane. Like I, what's the other one where he's in the car? Uh, uh Cosmopolitan or something like this? Yeah, I haven't seen that one. But uh yes. again, like incredible stuff like the dude can carry a movie on his own period he just can't and like at this point the only reason people don't realize that is because we're talking about a lot of indie filmmakers and a lot of indie films where nobody saw them other than film nerds like every film nerd loves the lighthouse because it (laughs) fucking kills but like if you're just a normal like run-of-the-mill film viewer of course you haven't seen it because you're only going to go to the movies once twice a year you're going to go see big ip stuff i get that like but if you do get a chance or you have some time to do something other than look at tiktok like go check out robert pattison's work like over the last decade that wasn't batman and wasn't twilight like the dude is killing it actually everyone from twilight oh sorry that's a hyperbole um (laughs) But Stewart and Pattinson both have made interesting, smart, thoughtful choices with what projects they're a part of. And they're both incredible actors. And you can say they're two of the top actors in their generation coming through, I think. They're very good. No, I mean, I I think they're very good. I would say for myself, for for Rob Pattinson movies, uh, Good Time, very much like Good Time. Very much like the lighthouse. The that's the most. That's the most recent one that I've seen with him. That's the and one I, that just stands out. I, I do own it uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm sorry to keep saying I own it. I own it, but I, <laughs> I, I'm a big advocate for physical media yeah. uh, over streaming. Same, so same. I continue to collect. But uh, no, I, I mean the, the, the guy's more than proved himself. He did the high life mo- uh, high life movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another A24 movie with the guy from Outcast. That was pretty good, interesting. Yep. Uh, there's a movie he did with Guy Pierce. It's like a apocalyptic western movie. Haven't seen it, but I heard. Good I know things. what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't think of the name. The Rover, maybe. The Rover. That's a. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he's done a lot of interesting choices, but I do agree for like his career. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like like most artists eventually will do like that wide appeal movie because they want to. Oh, they need to make a living. Like yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's their job. You can't so like, just like be like a. I don't want to say he can't be like a true artist. That's such bullshit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, it, you it's make money. it's that whole one for me, one for you thing, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> you have to 
It would be like as if you worked at Walmart and you decided only to show up on days when you felt like it. That's not how it works. Like no. you're an actor. Like yeah, it's your take. job. Yeah. 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 So like sometimes you have to do one for the agent. You have to do one for the studio. Like you need to make some money. You need to generate some profits. Like that's the reality. No one wants to talk about in film. Like it, in order to sustain and in order to make smaller, more interesting, quote unquote, artful films, which is a subjective thing. Like we do have to do these things that are mass appeal, wide viewing, because not everyone cares about the medium as an art form. Like some people just want their popcorn entertainment and that's fine. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So like, and I like that shit too. I like everything. I don't care. Like as long as it's executed well, that's all I care about. And as long as the world that you have created for me is like cohesive, which is one of my problems with this movie. It's a little, it's a, yeah, yeah, we know we've already went down it, but like, you know, like just give me anything. Like I will follow you down a rabbit hole. Just execute it. That's it. Yep. No, I, I, I think that's, that's, that's very well said. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I'd like to think when it comes to my thoughts on movies, I will watch the smallest little weird independent movie yep. like from, you know, made for $3 and I will watch the Avengers. I, I, I don't care. Yeah. As you said, I mean, like if the, if the story's going to grab me and it makes me feel something or I am invested in the characters in the world, like, fuck it, you got my money. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. That's all I want. Um, it would, but I, I, I want to go back to what you said too about just like, studios taking a chance on some of these larger ips and like doing something more bold with them because it's like come on you already got the fan base built in like yeah but uh, i i digress a little bit so but like i mean i think the studio allowed nolan to do that they did in retrospect it feels like oh well they just did the big ip thing but that's in retrospect at the time let's go back to when they cast heath ledger and everyone in the world was like, what the fuck? Yeah, the the 10 things. Yeah, the guy from Brokeback yeah. Mountain <laughs> and the guy from 10 Things I Hate About You. That is not inspired casting. What the fuck are we doing? And we got the best Joker performance of all time and will probably remain that way for a while. Yeah. So, like, don't judge a book by its cover. Like, yeah. just because an actor is working. And he gets cast by his agent in a rom-com doesn't mean he doesn't have talent. It's like Matthew McConaughey. That dude was doing rom-coms and eating ramen for 10 years. <laughs> I don't mean literally eating ramen. I just mean like... Well, we know he was playing the bongos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's having a good time. <laughs> the dude... Speaking of which, he married Brazilian, so he's just smarter than everyone else anyways. But, Respect. But we're Respect. biased. <laughs> but like... like Dude, like Matthew McConaughey is a good actor. Like, just yeah. sometimes they gotta work through some shit. They gotta do one for the studio. They gotta do one for the agent. Whatever to make some money so they can do some shit that they actually want to do. So, quick, uh, quick plug for McConaughey. I, I, I am a fan of the person, so I gotta, I gotta plug him. Uh, did you read his book, Green, Green Light? Light? Yeah, yeah. I read did it. you listen to the audiobook? No, I read it. I've heard the audiobook's phenomenal because, yeah, of course, yeah. he gives his distinct personality to it. <laughs> all, right, uh, all right, all right, But uh, I, I have the book. It's it's in the other room over there. Yeah, but yeah. I actually, like, just today ordered the, the journal that he made along with it so that mm. you can, like... I didn't know that. Yeah, he has, yeah, a, yeah. He has a journal, and, like, he has, like, ex excerpts i can never say that from the book and you're supposed to like pair it along with your own thoughts and like he sort 
it guides you through a journaling experience with Matthew McConaughey. I don't know. I, I bought it. Sounds so. pretentious, but... Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Like, it, it's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Like, like I, he's, I like him. I, I like him a lot, too. And I, I'm really, I really, really, I'm really glad that he got out of the rom-com phase. And no one can sell a Lincoln like that motherfucker. Uh, uh, <laughs> I never cared about Lincoln <laughs> until I see a Lincoln commercial. Did you see him in the Lincoln Lawyer? No, I haven't never seen it, but oh, I know what you're talking about—the Gresham novel. Yeah, yeah, they they have a Netflix series coming out with it soon. With, I, I forgive me, some actor yeah. that I don't know, I don't really care. Quite frankly, I'm like McConaughey kind of did it for yeah, me, yeah, for yeah, that yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, but uh, I, it's it's nice to hear somebody give some love for McConaughey. He's, yeah, yeah. Uh, Interstellar is a great movie too, but that's another podcast which I'm yeah. not sure. I'm <laughs> on. Um, all right, one thing I wanted to talk to you about as well is the the use of voiceover in movies. Ooh. Because big topic for me. Well, because at the beginning of this, you, you know, I think it opens up, and he's like, "Gotham, I've been working here for a while. The crime is really bad. The night shift sucks." He's doing that whole thing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, vo- voiceover for me can really work. It can sometimes, but I, I I'm curious for you, no. as someone that pays attention to these things more. It's something I never do in my screenplays. I hate voiceover. Uh, so you hate it. I okay. hate it outright because I think it's lazy. Because okay. it's it goes back to the whole show don't tell thing. And all you're doing with voiceover is cutting out the hard work and just telling us what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, and all the stuff that he's saying in this movie, we already saw. Yeah. We got it, dude. Like, so what are you doing? It was so clunky. And cringe, to borrow a phrase from the younger audience. Like, I, I, it didn't work for me. I don't like voiceover. I generally, like, really despise it. And Really? I find it lazy, <laughs> like, for writers to do it. Okay. So I gotta ask, because I don't think voiceover is the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's but, fine. But, but it's fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. this is good. <laughs> um, you know, so one of the... So one of the greatest filmmakers in my opinion is Martin Scorsese uh-huh. yeah, I mean this guy gets talked about a lot it's not yeah, a yeah, secret yeah, yeah, amongst yeah. the film community he's used voiceovers quite a bit uh-huh. in his movies uh-huh. I, I guess let me ask this because I, I understand like what you're saying where it's like it can be lazy where you're not really letting the audience interpret what the character's thinking by them just being like I'm thinking exactly this right yeah, now yeah yeah do you ever think that just like don't use it at all or maybe like if it's used smartly in a certain I, way, maybe you could do it, or you still just are like, ah, just let the audience kind of hone in on it. Here's what I'll say. I'm not saying that 100% of the time it's ineffective or clunky. Yeah. Because, for example, Tarantino, his dialogue is very distinct. True. Like, everyone knows Tarantino for the way he writes dialogue. The problem with that, not the problem for Tarantino... The problem for people aping Tarantino or wanting to be Tarantino is that you don't have this skill. So when you do it, it's clunky and it's, uh, yeah, just again, cringe. Yeah. So like, just don't do it unless you have this skill. But um, how do you know you have the skill? Well, that, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's part of the art world, right? You take, yeah. chan- you take chances. And, like, sometimes you're just not good at certain things and you figure it out. And hopefully, if you're a good director, you go, oh, shit, I'm not good at that. I'm yeah. not going to do that again. So, like, 
when you bring up Scorsese selling me voiceover, I go, okay, yeah, but that's Scorsese, dude. Right. So, like, okay, like, he, we're talking about one of the best filmmakers in the last 50 years. Without a doubt, it's not even really subjective to say that Scorsese is one of the top filmmakers. We're, we're talking about an art form that everyone wants to participate in now. And the fact that you could say Scorsese is one of the best means someone. It would be like if you brought up Lionel Messi as one of the greatest football players of all time. We're talking about that level of filmmaking when you bring up Scorsese. So, yeah, uh, Messi will nutmeg people on the pitch. Once every 10 times he touches the ball, it doesn't mean the next player should try to do that because you're going to get embarrassed. So like Scorsese is a good example of it working, but like a rare example because that dude just executes everything top level. So like, okay, yeah, yeah, but I can bring up 20,000 examples of it not working. The Batman is one. So, so let me ask you this, because we're talking more, I'd say, on the filmmaking side of things. It, it's interesting you talking about like a director sort of honing their instincts and figuring out what they're good at versus what they're not mm-hmm. good at. Mm-hmm. Some of this stuff can only be figured out by trial by yeah. error. I mean, it's just life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's life. But I, I, I wonder, from people that are trying to sort of figure out where their voice is at and, mm-hmm. and like where their natural, you know, their natural skill sets are at, mm-hmm. like, what do you do to sort of figure that out other than just I start to trust my instinct through when I think I'm doing things right. Well, what I would hope, and this is the case for me as an independent filmmaker, like start small, like work with local talent that you know. Okay, I made a short recently and I didn't have the best talent in the world to work with when it came to actors, right? I had to use what I had and I had to figure out through that process, like, how can I sell this quiet short story I'm telling and get the most out of the acting talent I have? And you just learn on the go. And ideally, filmmakers will get that time to make small shoestring budget films with their friends and people that they know to figure out what it is that they're good at and what it is that they execute well and work on the stuff that they're not executing well because film requires it's an art form that requires all art forms so music is involved score is involved um mise-en-scene is just you know composition and composition comes from where painting so like we've learned all this stuff over time these different art forms and you're combining them into one thing like not everyone is going to execute every level of that well um tarantino is famously mentioned for saying like i don't know how to do that but i know a guy who knows how to do that and i'm going to tell him what's in my head so he can execute it well and that's easy if you're in tarantino but when you're someone like me i have to do everything i like my sets i shoot i edit i do sound like i do everything and that's how it should be you start when you're starting out do every single part around the camera that goes into the film. So you understand, even if you're not amazing at executing sound design, you at least understand it. Yeah. So that way you can communicate with your team around you. Like, hey, the sound guy, like, I want you to do this. But, you know, like, on the level that you do it at, not the level I do it at. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're going to kill it. Like, but that's the kind of stuff you can afford to do when you're at a studio. 
Yeah, but like you said, you got to start somewhere, mm. and you have to get exposed to the different aspects of film. And I, I'm so glad that you said that it's just basically the marrying of a thousand different things at once. Yes. Because I think sometimes the average audience member, not to sound too snobbish, but they, they forget. There, there's cinematography, there's production design, there's casting, there's writing, there's directing, there's, there's lighting, there's shit. There's, there's sound is the most important. I mean, like... <laughs> sound for me is like one of the most important things. Have you ever seen a movie that was shot well, but the sound was bad? It drives you up the wall. It like <laughs> it, it's almost unwatchable, even though it's not the thing that's going an, through your you eyeballs. Do you have an example of a movie that you would say falls under that? Oof. Uh, I'm sure, I can think of a couple. Yeah, we. What that film director from Chicago? What's his name? I am so sorry. Oh, you're fine. Uh, we had that phase we went through in the early 2000s called mumblecore. Mumblecore. It was called mumblecore. It was What's a that? genre of filmmaking okay. where like. There's not a lot of talking. There's not a lot of stuff going on. Actually, there's nothing going on. Like you know what I mean? Like. It was it was a very very brief moment in film history, mm-hmm. and it's a genre of filmmaking that was started by this guy in Chicago. He's in a film called um, "You're Next." You're next. He okay. didn't make "You're Next," but he's in it. Okay. I can't say I know that. No, no, no. His name is not coming to my head. But anyways, like they they were like purposely or because they didn't have the budget shooting things poorly. So, like, when you watch those movies, like, uh, what kills it a lot of time is not the aesthetics of the screen, what's on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's the sound design. Like, it's just not executed well, and it takes you out of the movie all the time. So, I, 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 I can't think of a movie, like, right off the top of my head where the sound design was really poor, but mm-hmm. I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. I would think so. And, and it's not to mistake either that, like, if you're in a theater that has a crappy sound setup, it's not the same. You're talking about from, like, the actual filmmaking. The filmmaking, where, like, like where to put the microphones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, making sure that there's clarity in the sound pickup and the recording, like, yep. and that it's edited into the film well is also, which is another whole yes. other complication. No. It, but I'm I'm so I'm one I'm so glad to have you on here because you're able to clarify some of these things that <laughs> not everybody else is able to do, which is great. Because uh, anytime I see like a really good movie, I mean, I don't know. I really hope I never reach the age where I don't appreciate it because I mm-hmm. see like a miracle anytime I see one that's like, wow, that was great. You think of all the different levels that had to marinate and just mesh together yep. to, to get it just right mm-hmm. it's like a freak thing every time it yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. I, never, I never well it is kind of a mistake like yeah. everyone's intending no one sets out to make a bad movie that's not a thing like people are trying to execute something well the problem is is that it's extremely difficult so like even my short like I didn't. there's some parts where I didn't record the sound particularly well like and it bothers me every time I rewatch it. Like and I can't do anything about it. It exists now. It's in the ether. Yeah. So like you know what I mean. Like and it's again going back to the Batman. Like even though it didn't work for me completely, like it is a miracle that they made something this good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to put all those pieces of a puzzle together to make one cohesive thing, whether I think it's perfectly cohesive or not. Dude, it's still kind of a small miracle. Like, yeah. every time this happens, and I understand that they have a huge budget, but lots of people have had huge budget budgets and like completely bombed. Yeah. 
So like anytime something like the Batman, this Batman, didn't execute at a hundred percent efficiency, it's okay. Like you know what I mean? Like I still had a good time. I as I said at the beginning, like the three hours didn't I wasn't what looking at my clock or my watch and going, Oh fuck, when is this gonna be over? Like you know what I mean? That's not what happened. I enjoyed the ride. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's, we do what we do, like, as critics or, like, if you want to be a filmmaker, you kind of have to look at something with a critical eye to understand what you need to do when yeah. you make a movie and, like, oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Like, you know what I mean? But at, this, at the same time, like, they're executing. Even if they're executing at 90% efficiency, that's a, a small miracle. Yeah. Do you ever, like, when you're talking about, like, how you've made a short and you've had sound design that you wish could be better, where you're just like, ah, oh, shit, I watched this back, and I'm just like, god damn, I can't believe that this happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does make me think that, the, uh, and I'm tying, I am tying this back into the Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, disillusionment and how that can be a problem, like, going forward when you're trying to make something because you're focusing on previous errors or things like that. I noticed with, with the Batman that he's not really fully convinced by his crime fighting. Like, he's just like, well, like, I'm beating the shit out of the criminals, and, like, this is, this is good. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't really know if I'm accomplishing anything. And, of course, towards the later, the latter half of the film, he's like, well, I need to lead people in the light, literally with the metaphorical yeah, yeah, flare yeah, through yeah, the yeah, yeah. water. I'm like, okay. I appreciated that. It's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Good. It's good. It was a good motif. But I, but I am curious, just on the subject, when you, when you think of, like, disillusionment and whatnot, I mean... It, one, I, I relate to the feeling. I, I've certainly had my hangups uh, professionally and personally where I kind of lose sight of something because I'm focusing on the wrong thing. And I just have to imagine in the filmmaking world that that is something that happens all too often. Mm. Because artists, just to me by nature, they're very they're very hyper aware of, of, of the things that they're creating. They might not seem it, but uh, believe me, they pay attention. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And we're a little neurotic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. Just I mean, a little. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, like, for yourself, I mean, like, yeah. you, you're trying to get better at the sound design stuff. I mean, like, what, what do you do to not get hung up on on that stuff other than just knowing that I, at least I had the balls to, like, you know, try and make it work? Well, again, if you're, I guess it depends on what we're talking about. If we're talking about something that I'm doing all on my own, um... I have to take it scene by scene, second by second, and think about everything that's in the frame and everything behind the frame, which is why it's not easy, right? Because yeah. if it was easy, everyone would do it. But, like, it's not easy, and you have to be, like, vigilant and pay attention to every aspect. And before you hit record, and you don't know what your actors are going to do, right? Sure. Yeah. Like they're in their own headspace, like trying to figure out their own like line reads. Like, so that shit is unpredictable um, and you can't control them. So like you're worried about where your lighting sources is coming from. Not only where your light source is coming from literally, but within the mise-en-scene of the shot, is it coming from somewhere practical to the audience? So there's just, there's so many levels to this, right? Like, that's why we have practical lights in scenes that actually aren't the light source for what's lighting the scene. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, again, with the sound design, where are you going to put the microphone where, one, it's not in the shot. Right. And, and two, it's picking up sound pro properly and not picking up peripheral sound 
that you don't want in your scene, which for me was my stupid freaking Prius, <laughs> which is old. And the guy was running the car while we're shooting the scene and it's making this whiny sound because every time the Prius needs to charge, it'll kick in and start going <laughs> like, oh my God, I, it's a nightmare. Like I yeah. live through this every day. So yeah, like there's just all these things and you also need to just be comfortable with failing. Yeah. Like you're going to make mistakes or there's going to be things that happen while you're filming that you cannot control. Um, and which is why I'm saying the Batman executing at 90% efficiency is a small miracle because sure. there's so many things that can go wrong, especially yeah. when you're filming in downtown Edinburgh or Glasgow, like you don't control the city. You know what I mean? You don't control the sunlight and when clouds go over a sun or don't go over the sun yeah. when there's overcast, not overcast, like, and then the shooting days are the shooting days. They're budgeted. You, there's just so many things that you cannot control. Yeah. And I think that's actually something I might admire maybe about people that do the filmmaking and whatnot is that, you know, there's, there's all these variables and like, you might try to like have like this hyper attention focus to detail and most of it's for the best, but the ones I think that really execute it well, they have confidence in their voice, but mm -hmm. then they're able to just be like, yeah, like, you know, that fucked up over there or like that yeah. was, that was bad over there, but they don't derail, you know, it doesn't derail them. I think some of the most brilliant filmmakers are the ones that are not rigid, like yeah. that will go with the flow and be like, you know what? I had it written like this, but because this happened, we're going to take a left turn here and we're going to, and then they think like this fast yeah, to make a lot. change. Like, you know what I mean? And a change that makes the film better. Yeah. Than it would have been otherwise, because true. Uh, there's a artist, uh, Annie Clark. She's she has the band Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent. Is that yeah, what called? her band is okay. called Saint Vincent, and I think she's one of the most brilliant musicians right now. But one of the things she does to herself is she gives herself constraints. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna make this record. Here are my 10 constraints. I'm not allowed to go outside this box. She makes a box for herself that she has to work through. Mm -hmm. So, and I think as filmmakers, we do the same thing, right? Like we're going to have these 10 constraints or any number. It's innocuous, but like just these constraints, I'm going to work within them and I'm going to be flexible and mindful and thoughtful about my approach within yeah. those constraints. Damn. That's some, that's some deep shit. <laughs> I mean, no. We're a little bit high. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, so so, so kind of continuing from that, you know, one thing I, 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 I talked about the, the scene, which we appreciate, of like Batman's like, I can't just beat the shit out of criminals. I have to lead them through the light. I mean, I like this. It's good. It, it's yeah, a, yeah. It, I'm, I'm making light of it, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, a good... That was fine. That was a good character arc. Batman's figuring out he's got to be more of a symbol and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and all that kind of mumbo jumbo. But I am curious for like yourself, if you're realizing maybe something where you're like, well, this didn't go the way I, I planned. Maybe change the way that I view things, kind of like alter my outlook and things like that. Like, do you have, like, I guess a very straightforward way of doing that? Or, I mean, you just kind of recognize when, ah, you know, I can change this a little bit. And it might be for the better for my own career. Like, no, it happened in my, uh, wait, for my career? Like, you mean like when I'm on set? You can do both. Uh, no, I, yeah. I think that staying flexible is actually just a key to life in general. Yeah. But like, 
I would like to think that I would not be so rigid as to think I have all the answers when I show up to set and that the other people around me, the other talent around me, because you cannot make a film on your own. It no, cannot be done. It's 100% a collaborative moment. Yeah. So you need to be flexible and you need to listen to the people around you because you don't have all the answers. And it is fucking arrogant to think that you do. I think some of the worst filmmakers are the ones that do think they have all the answers and aren't listening to people around them. Um, You know, we brought up Scorsese earlier. I do think he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. But what we've seen with him recently is people are scared to tell that guy anything. So, like, his movies are, like, three and a half hours long now, and they don't need to be. What movie needs to be three and a half fucking hours long? Like, you know what I mean? So, like, somebody along the way, not somebody, everyone, along the way decided Scorsese is so brilliant, he doesn't need to be told no. And that's not great. That's a a super interesting thing, and that's one that we could talk about for a long time. (laughs) Uh, but, But I will say... Maybe just something for the audience to think about that's listening to this is, you know, finding that, like, like striking that balance where, like, okay, I've paid my dues, I've learned, like, kind of the trades, I, I've sort of shadowed a little bit on all the, you know, different aspects, and I'm now getting more money from the studios, people are trusting me. That that has got to be a dangerous thing. For, it is. For the real artists where they're just like, oh, it is. Shit. Everybody's just a yes man. Like, yeah, just like, yeah, man. Like you're, you're great. And now you have you, you all the money. That I love. There's all the money. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like there's back, going back to the constraints. Yeah. Like the best artists in the world. Like when you listen to them talk about their process, they talk about constraints a lot. If you pay attention, you'll hear it. So constraints are very important. Budget constraints are important. Limitless budget is not a good thing. So learning. And one of the things I appreciated in this film is I didn't think there was a ton of green screen. I felt like there were a lot of tactile, like, lived-in shots. I did appreciate that. Um, and thank God. You know, like, let's go back to before everything was CG. It doesn't look good. Like, and it never holds up. If you watch it 10 years from now, it's going to look like garbage because the technology will be better. So... Just stop it, man. Like, let's let's give ourselves con- some constraints and let's work within them. Yeah. And, like, that's where the art comes out. I feel like that's true because a lot of times, like, there's a... Okay, so this, I might not be making the greatest comparison here, but I'm going to try. So, Michael Bay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I promise. I, 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 I'm going to have a point there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, Michael Bay... Uh-huh. He's had some real big budget movies with his Transformers movies. Regardless of your opinion of them, a lot of them suck. I'll just say what I feel about that. But yet you can take someone like him and then give him a movie like 13 Hours. Or I've heard this new Ambulance movie that he did is actually not half bad for his energy and whatnot. It's a modest budget action movie and not something that's got $200 million behind it. He can find a way to, to fit in there. And I do think that, yeah, like, if you kind of give, like, a director, like, hi, here's the blank checkbook, and, you know, you've made us a couple hits, just freaking go wacko and have no restraints on you, sometimes it might work, but I think it's rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's rare. Um, but anyways, I, I was bringing up Michael Bay because I, I thought he's maybe one of the filmmakers that has time to time shown that he can do a, a please a pleasing action movie without being bloated over stuff 
explosion Michael Bay that people make fun of him for. I don't know if any of that makes sense. It's not really all tied to the Batman, but, you know, I digress a little bit. Hey, can we pause real quick? I yeah. Just about oh, yeah, you're good. <laughs> now, now, now. Mm-hmm. He's back from the bathroom. It's a little too much information, but whatever. All right, you had a thought. Yeah, so uh, you brought up Michael Bay. I did. And one of the things I wanted to give Matt Reeves credit on is an opposition to Michael Bay's chaos cinema. So what I mean by that is when Michael Bay, the problem I have with Michael Bay, among many things, one of the main problems I have with Michael Bay is his chaos cinema when he's shooting action scenes and you don't understand where you are spatially within the scene. So I'm not saying something new. Like no. it's pretty everyone understands like this is a problem. Yep. Uh one of the things that Matt Reeves I thought accomplished well was even with the car chase, which I didn't love because I thought it was kind of boring. But uh, I understood where we were spatially through the whole film. I don't, I can't remember a single scene, and maybe there is one or two, but I, I don't remember any in a fight scene, an action scene, the car chase that I don't love. Like where I didn't understand where the characters were spatially to each other and where we were in frame. Mm, yeah, makes sense. Commendable. Like, uh, it's true. especially uh, Nolan's not great at that either. Like he, he's better than Michael Bay by a long shot, but like I thought Matt Reeves did a commendable job with like spatial recognition and where we were in the scene yeah, and where the characters were in the scene and relationship to each other. Like, I, I think it speaks a lot to a, a filmmaker's talents, regardless of how much artistic merit they might bring to the picture is like you said, just like, I can watch this and I'm not seeing a bunch of choppy cuts and bad edits. One of the scenes I go back to where, if you want to, like, for any film people out there that are listening, if you want to go and watch a shit show of a scene that's edited, uh, watch Taken 3. There's a scene (laughs) where Liam Neeson is having to go over a fence. And it's, I think there's like 20 different cuts of him, like, just like, Leaping over this fence. No. It's, yeah, yeah, it's bad. I haven't seen it, so... It's really bad. Yikes. I don't expect everybody to pick up on that, but I do think most people can appreciate where, you know, you see, like, a movie like John Wick, and one of the reasons people appreciate that is because they're like, well, I'm seeing everything in camera. I'm mm-hmm. not seeing a lot of different angles of the same shot. It's like, no, like, people have choreographed this to death, and they have yeah, rehearsed yeah, it a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. Different movie, of course, but... But yeah, I can definitely see Matt Reeves clearly from just a technical perspective understands, I think, how to how to craft that. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. that's proven true throughout his filmography. Like, that was the case of Planet Apes. Something I appreciated, like, the action was understandable, like, comprehensive. And, like, again, Let the Right One In, which is a completely different thing. Did you ever see the original for I, that? I have. I have not. Yeah, I like both, actually, yeah. quite a bit. I like, I like I me. Mean, I like his version. That's the only one I can say I've seen. Um, mm. I, I like him overall, and I mean, I think I talked. We talked about the Apes movies for a bit, but shit, Donald McLean of the Apes. 
good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. The Planet of the Apes. Also a good yeah. movie. Not as great as Don, but it, it's still pretty good. And um, now I just want him to find his voice. Like, give me... Like... Like, when we talk about Wes Anderson... Edgar Wright. I saw your post, by the way. You're just like overrated, like pretentious, like guys. Wes Anderson. <laughs> it, it's complicated with Wes Anderson because he's overrated and underrated. Like, th- yeah, it's weird with him. Yeah, it's a problem for me where I go into a Wes Anderson film and I don't. I'm either gonna love it or I'm not gonna connect with it. I'm never gonna hate it, but like I'm either gonna love it or not connect with it. And that, but that's good. At least he's taking swings, man. Yeah. Like, he has a voice. When I see a Wes Anderson film, I know it's a Wes Anderson film. And that's something to be said for. Yeah. And that's just... <clears throat> I can see the technical ability with Matt Reeves. He knows where to put the camera. Mm-hmm. He knows how to shoot action. <clears throat> he knows how to get the best performances possible out of his actors, from what I've seen for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, dude, okay, we've gotten there. So let's fucking ratchet this shit up, man. Like, let, let, yeah. I want you to find your voice by the next Batman film. I think, you know, I, I feel like you're being encouraging in that thought. I mean, to me anyway, because it's like you're recognizing he's got talent. Oh, you clearly. recognize that yeah. there are a lot of positives there. And it's like you just want the guy to, su- to succeed on his own. And it way. might not be his fault, right? Like we no, talked we about. Know. He keeps <clears throat> taking on IP. And does. that's great. Like. I'm, I'm glad. Like, his wife probably loves the fact that he brings home a fat fucking paycheck. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But let, yeah. let's... do. come on, man. Like, the next movie, just give me you. I don't want your... Yeah. I don't want Batman as Fincher. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't hate it 100%, but, like, I don't want to think about other movies when I'm watching your movie. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. That's when you fair. watch a Wes Anderson film, I'm sorry, I keep bringing him up. It's fine. When you watch a Wes Anderson film, you don't think about any other filmmaker than what he's presenting you with. Because Wes Anderson is fucking Wes Anderson. He is an auteur. Whether you like his stuff or not, he has a vision, and it's clear, like, what his vision is. That is the sign of a true artist. Whether you like their art or not is a different conversation. Yeah. But I think it's <clears throat> inarguable that he is an artist. Like, to create mise-en-scene that is wholly yours, no one can take that away from you. Sure. So, like, whether it works again from movie to movie, but who cares? Right. That's not the point. Yeah. So, with Tarantino... Wes Anderson. Like, we're starting to get, like, these directors who have their own, like, their own composition and mise-en-scene that stands out from everyone else. And that in a world where half the population wants to be a filmmaker now, like, that, dude, it's hard to do. So, I just want to see Matt Reeves do it. Like, I know that he can. Yeah. And I just want... Just take the handcuffs off. Whatever's going on, I don't know. But, like, the next one. So let me ask you this. Because you talked about him taking over existing IP. We've mentioned it a couple of times. But I wonder, maybe the comparison's not there. It doesn't need to be compared. But I I think of, like, a J.J. Abrams Mm -hmm. in a way. Because that's another man that did some IP work. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, sure, he's done things like just on his own. I mean, he made Super 8, I guess. I don't know if that was solely... I mean, Spielberg influenced for sure. Um, but I, I, I guess, like, 
I, I wonder like if like you ever do see somebody where I'm not saying it's Matt Reeves, but you see somebody that has some talent behind the camera, but you still kind of are doubtful that well, just because they have some technical you know brilliance behind them, do they really have a voice? Do they really have well, something they can they can lend? You to brought them? up the perfect person. Yeah, I love four years. I was like doing what I'm doing with Matt Reeves now. Yeah. For years, I was doing what that with J.J. Abrams. Like this dude has talent. I just need to see him. I can't see him. I see Spielberg. So, and now it's gone so on so long with his career that I, I, I think the secret is that he doesn't have one and that he's really just Spielberg. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I think the cat's out of the bag. Like, he's not going to give us something new at this point. Like, he's yeah. in his 50s. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, okay. And I hope that's not the path we're going down with Matt Reeves. If it is, it's okay. Like, I still show sure. up to J.J. Abrams stuff yeah. excited because I know bare minimum, like, technical brilliance will be there, mm-hmm. bare minimum, which is good. That's not a bad thing. Sure. Yeah, it sells. Going back to sports metaphors, like, sometimes you have a player on the pitch that just does his role and he does it well. He's not Michael Jordan, but he's the guy next to Michael Jordan. I'm cool with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm just saying I hope that Matt Reeves has another level. Yeah. No, I... It's it's refreshing to hear you just, like, kind of talk about it that way because, yeah, I, I don't know if... I don't know if everybody always recognizes, like, the art that goes into the film. I mean, I think it's easy for some people to be like, well, like they were given a great script. Of course they know what to do. Like yeah. they don't have to do anything, but no, it's like, that's, that's, bullshit. that's, that's really <laughs> bullshit because like there, there has to yeah. be direction for where things go. The placement of shots, like we, just so we, much we could go on, but yeah. yeah, I guess, uh, to any Matt Reeves fans that are listening out there, I would be curious what you think about this, but I, I can definitely say the guy has not let me down so far for mm-hmm. films, but I respect what you're saying and that you're like, I, I see the talent. We, we can see that you're capable. I want to see you maybe do something that isn't something that's already been kind of created. Like we want to see what you just kind of got from, from scratch, which is bold. I mean, it's, it's bold for anybody to do for sure. But uh, one more thing. Want to talk about? So we talked about a lot of film things. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about kind of something dumb, if I might, <laughs> for a moment. Vigilantes, right? Oh. Batman. Yeah. He's fighting crime. He's beating the shit out of people. He dresses, he dresses a caped crusader. He's mm-hmm. afraid of bats. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have any thoughts on vigilantes? I mean, like, are there any like in real life that that you know about? Do they exist outside of the comic book world? Fuck, I hope not. <laughs> that, that's one of the probably problematic messages with superhero movies right like yeah just wear wear a cape and, and go beat the shit out of people it solves problems which yeah. which has always been a motif in batman films where okay like <laughs> batman be- it was a batman begins where we have the guys that dress up like batman but they're not batman uh dark knight that's dark knight yeah, cause, okay cause scarecrow's there at the opening yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at least in those films and and they do it in this one as well kind of uh, we're, I think they were, uh, one of the things I liked about this Matt Reeves Batman is that they were, I think he was taking a shit on QAnon. Okay. Because the Riddler has like a message board and he like influences yes. other people to take action. Yeah, at the end he's just like, hey guys, this is what I'm doing. And they're just like, okay, you need some guns? You need some <laughs> shit? Like, we'll Let's bring do it. this. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I like that. I like that, That like, because that's a problem in our society right now. Like, where yeah. people just get, they go down a rabbit hole and they don't come out. Or when they do come out, it's not good. Like, so, but I like the mirroring of that to Batman, where Batman is saying in this movie, I am vengeance. Yeah. And then it's returned back to him by the Riddler wannabes or... yeah. Whatever you want to call chess them. pieces, yeah. Riddler's chess pieces. Like <clears throat> they say, I am vengeance back to him, and it's like, oh right, like dude, you're not the cops, you're not the police force. Even if you're working with them, you're on your own. And who are you to tell us what, what's what? Like yeah. who are you to act on it? Like you know what I mean? And who are you to point out who the bad guys are and the good guys are? That can that has all kind of problems. You know what I mean? And we don't know where that's gonna go. So I, I kind of like that mirroring within the film. It's one of the things that worked for me. But if you saw a Batman in Iowa City or something, <laughs> I mean, like, are you going to be like, yeah, he's helping out? Or no. Like, no. I, I would have the op- probably not. <laughs> it would have the opposite effect. Like, someone call the cops, okay? Like, this guy's talking about it. He's going to get himself killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying because, like, I, it, it works in the comic world. But, like, if you were to see it, like, today, you'd be like, oh, what is this jackass doing? Like, are they yeah, really going to yeah, affect yeah. change that way? Have you seen The Boys? The Boys? That's the, the Amazon series. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carl Urban's in that, right? Mm-hmm. I have not seen it. It's I've heard so it's, good. like, brutal. And... It's so good. Okay. It, it's like, what if superheroes were for real? And wouldn't they be narcissistic assholes? And then, yeah. and then it, it's that. So, like, that's the real world. But it's a movie. Like, we, we separate ourselves from reality. I guess I guess you can argue that these movies send a bad message to people with bad intentions. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean that's, that's almost another podcast in and of itself is how much influence a person can take from, mm. from a film. I hope uh, what, what You know, you talked about Tarantino earlier. He's a person that I, I really love how outspoken he is sometimes on people being like, well, you've used racism a lot in your movies, or there's been a lot of gun violence, and he's like, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a I, movie. It, I'm, I'm not making something to, like, you know, be sending the message to reality of how you should behave. He's like, that's not what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I'm telling a story. Well, yeah, it's like when Fox News drags uh, Kendrick Lamar on their show to, like, lambast him for his lyrics, and it's like, dude, I didn't tell your kids to listen to my music. It's not yeah. for kids. No. Like. I'm rapping about Compton in L.A. Like, it has nothing to do with you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we we live in a world where there's stuff for adults and stuff for kids. And there's stuff for the impressionable and the people who realize that it's just a piece of entertainment or art. Yep. Like, those, those things can both exist. It's true. Final thought. We've talked a lot about Batman. We've talked about a lot of different things on here, which I do appreciate. I'll always say that. Uh, favorite Batman movie? Batman Returns. Tim Burton. Okay. Oh. I got, I'm in I, the minority on that, I no, think. No, I, I have a confession to make. I've never seen it. Oh, I, it's Batman so worth your time. And I've seen all the other ones. I've never seen that one. I will tell you why. Um, okay, one part of this is because I just grew up in that era. But another part of this is, okay, we keep making the Batman movies darker and darker and darker. And what I said earlier is, okay, lean all the way in or get all the way the fuck out. 
So the thing I like about Burton's Batmans are they're dark, but they're not self-serious. You can view Burton's Batman films as pure comedy. You could. They're very dark, but because it's Burton. But like, but there is a sense of humor about them. Like one of the things that I was a little bit confused on with the Matt Reeves Batman is Batman is dressed in the Batman Mm -hmm. suit that you know. Mm-hmm. But in the same universe, the villains don't have the same conviction. Catwoman is dressed in a very muted, like something you could have made in your closet, cat suit. Sure. Like her, even her ears on the hat are like very muted. Uh, the Riddler is like duct tape and whatever. Yeah. Why are we allowing the, the protagonist to dress up fully as a bat, which is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and then like... Right. Then the villains are just more sensible than our protagonists. Like, like, oh yeah, duct tape and oh yeah, this uh, beanie that kind of kind of has cat ears, but not really. Like, one of the thing I things I like about the Burton films and it it just leans all the way in. And of course, it was the first one, so I guess it would do that. But like, I don't know. We maybe we go back to that, and I think we will at some point. I mean, you can only make yeah. them so dark. So, like I said, you're either going to lean all the way into the darkness where Joker is a fucking sociopath and a murdering rampage, or we're going to go back to the Burton kind of thing where it's like, it's dark, but it's funny. Yeah. Right? And there's a balance to be struck there. Yeah, I think as, as, I mean, the good thing about Batman, and I think history has shown, is that it's up for interpretation. There's a lot of different takes. Tim Burton's had his stuff. Joel Schumacher's had his uh, nip, nipple face. The worst and, ones. You know, it's <laughs> the, the Ice Age, and we, we, we've seen those. Um, you saw the Schumacher ones, but you haven't seen the Burton's? I, I've seen the first one. Oh, no. seen the Jack Nicholson, but I haven't Please watch seen Batman it. Returns. I need to say it. Yeah, you'll love it. Well, no, I won't say that. I won't say you'll love it, because I know people that don't. Like, it's a generational thing. True. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always think about that too. Like when I watch a movie that like someone recommends, or it might be from an older time, because there is always like the 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 side of it where it's like, well, I'm not seeing it when it came out. I'm not around during that time. Yeah, there's no context. Yeah, you're always viewing it through a different lens. Um, But I I would still, I'm I'm always willing to give any movie a shot. Dude, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. I love him. He's great. Is the penguin, and he's spewing. Like some black foul shit out of his mouth the entire fucking movie. He eats fish on set for real. Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer swallows a bird, which was not scripted. She swallows a bird. She swallows a real okay, bird. Okay, well, not swallows down her throat. Okay. She puts the bird in her mouth, closes her mouth, and then lets it fly out. Not what? scripted. Oh, wow. And Burton left it in. By the way, Michelle Pfeiffer is still the best Catwoman. As much as I love Zoe Kravitz, I feel like she was a little what bit. About Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Nah. Forget yeah. forgettable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say Zoe Kravitz is the second best Catwoman. There's Halle Berry, forgetful. There's, I thought you were about to say like she's the best. No, no, no. Wow. No, that's a take. Uh, no, no, Halle Berry is probably the most forgettable, which is crazy because it's Halle Berry. Um, yeah. Not her fault. And then there's the Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, yeah. sorry. No, that's all right. And then like, but the Zoe Kravitz and Michelle Pfeiffer are the two best. With Michelle Pfeiffer, definitely. I think I don't mind that to say. I've heard that from a few people that she's like just. Really oh, that's another thing I wanted to bring back. Yeah, um, yeah. 
one of the things I liked about Matt Reeves' Batman, it brings the sexy back. Yeah. There, Nolan, <clears throat> Nolan's Batman franchise was completely sexless. This is very true. Catwoman is sexy again. Like, and then, uh, maybe someone would argue that Anne Hathaway is as well, but she's just beautiful. But, I mean, she looks good in the cat suit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, that movie good. is not... No. Yeah, I, I know what you it's mean. not sexy. <clears throat> but, like... This brought the sexy back. Like, there's chemistry between her and Pattinson. And that's always part of the... I mean, someone that's read the comics can actually uh, speak to this, but like that's part of what makes their relationship work, is that they have that very flirtatious relationship while mm-hmm. being at odds because she's on a different side of the spectrum than, than Batman knows. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. I, I felt their vibe. I mean, I, I yeah. felt it as an audience member. I was like, Wait okay. till you see Batman Returns. That movie is dripping. Dripping with sex. It, <laughs> dripping with dripping sex. With sex. Right. Like, it's amazing. Like, it is a very sexy movie, especially for Tim Burton. The, the only silly thing I can bring up with that is uh, there's, a, there's a YouTuber I watch. Uh, I guess I'm giving him a quick plug. You ever watch John Flickinger? Or the no. Flick, the flick pick? No, no, no. Uh, anyways, he's, I, he's a guy I've been following since college, but he always talks about Batman Returns, and, and he loves Danny DeVito during this part where he's just like, let me show you my flinch, uh, my, my, flipper, my flipper trick. He, it's he, so he, good. He talks about that where he's just like, yeah. oh my God, like, what, yeah. is he, like, what is he saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, so I, 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 I've heard about it referenced. I just need to actually take the time to do it, but it, it's tough. There, oh yeah, dude, there's so much stuff out there, man. Yeah. Like movies that you talk about the boys. I mean, that's another series added to the list yeah, of yeah, like yeah, ten yeah, other yeah, series. Yeah. Like holy hell, yeah, yeah, where does yeah, one yeah, find yeah. the time? But any other thoughts you got on the Batman? No, I keep bringing them up. No, I mean I think we've we've covered things. I'm sure I have thoroughly. Some, but like obviously, I thought the score was good. I brought that up. I like my uh, Michael Giacchino. Uh, yeah. and, and in general, I will just say, I mean, I, I don't have time to get into it on, on this episode, but I'm very big on music and film mm-hmm. and, and specifically composed music, not just like a good soundtrack, like, like good, you use the Nirvana song at the right time. Like, yeah, no, yeah. like the actual score for a movie. I mean, it, it really matters. Uh, and I, I love listening to him and yeah, I, I thought he did a good score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I wish I could almost speak better to music because I don't want to sound like a that I ass. cannot do as well. Yeah, like, I, I won't even yeah, try yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's just it's it's gonna come off like ooh. I can say it works. Yes. Yeah, it worked well. Like I loved it. Like I would listen to it outside of the context of the film. It's, I feel like that's a high compliment. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Another thing I wanted to bring up is uh, go for it. So. I might be wrong on this, but most Batman films, the Batman symbol on the chest, one of the things I liked about this film is that he pulled it off and it was useful. When it was he an pull, actual when tool. He pull it off? I don't even yeah, I don't remember that. There's a yeah. part where he... I can't remember the exact use of it, but I remember he pulled it off and used it to do something, to cut something. Oh, shit. To, oh, shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly, no, I, but he uses it, and that was cool. It comes off and like he uses it as a tool. I know the only part that were like there were some like super nerds that like theorized about this, but to, towards the end where the fake riddlers are coming in and they're like the floods or the flood walls coming down and whatnot, he has that part where he gets basically blasted in the chest with a shotgun and then he's yeah. like, I got the, like the adrenaline. <laughs> and some some nerd out there I saw was speculating that it's like Bane's like serum to like make him like all jacked up and crazy. I don't I don't know about that. 
Well, even if that's true, we weren't presented that within the context of the film. No, so, so like, 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 no one would know. Yeah, like, yeah, if yeah, that yeah. was a thing, like, it that's could a complete. Some, it could be up to a nerd to be like, that's well, a conspiracy theory. That. <laughs> I, I really try to, I, I try not to get into those conspiracy theories for film. It's just it's Matt Reeves time. didn't present it, so for therefore it doesn't exist to me. Until it does exist. That's a good point. So it's like, it's got to be like framed within the context of the story. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. like that's just pure speculation. Yeah, speculation, like completely. Makes sense. Yeah. I got nothing else to say on the Batman. I've said everything I wanted to say. That's so it. So I appreciate you for coming on. Yep. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Yep. And uh, feel free to, to have another beverage if you want. But uh, that, that, that's all I got. So Awesome. All right. Appreciate everybody for listening. If you have not done so already, uh, this is the desperate plug. Please go ahead and hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get the podcast at. I don't really give a shit. Once you're listening to it, I'm happy. Um, follow, share with your friends. There is an Instagram account. I don't post as much as I should. It takes time, uh, but you can follow that. It's at Screenspeak Podcast. Is that where you do spoken poetry? I like do. the bat. No, I, I do not. But if that will help grow the audience, then damn well. I, I think I, you should. Maybe I, I should. I think you should. Limericks, spoken poetry. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.